Welcome to the Inspired by To Do What series of podcasts, part of the Robertson Fox brand of leadership, the executive coaching and leadership development company that helps people live their best lives and not exclusively in their professional careers. CEOs have a whole life too. Here is your host, founder and leadership director of Robertson Fox Limited, Robin Robertson. So hi, Kira. It's really good to uh, see you and have the opportunity to catch up today. So, uh, yeah, welcome. Hi, Robin. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. I know you're exceptionally busy. Well, I was going to say at the moment, but I think all the time. And I know you have a really responsible role as CEO of Brunwood Works. So I'm just delighted that we've got this this time together. And I think um, it would be great, actually, if you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and perhaps how you came to be CEO of Brunwood Works. Sure. So um, my history goes back um, a little bit um, here. So I've been with um, the Brunwood Group for um, over 16 years starting to give away a little bit around my age now. But um, in essence, I um, I joined as a graduate. Um, I had studied in Liverpool and um, I had always known um, sort of prior to going to university that I wanted to go into property. Yeah. Um, a lot of that was to do with the fact that um, my brother worked in property. So I had a real insight into, you know, the role and what that might look like. And I guess for me, the most exciting part of, of property was just the sheer breadth and, um, I guess, opportunities, because I think, you know, you can look at property from so many different angles, from development, asset management. And what you have real opportunity to do is, is look at it in the broader sense of how you can change place. So um, I studied in Liverpool. Um, and when I left um, university, I applied for a couple of roles and I applied for a role at Brunkwood. Um, I got the three other roles, but actually there was something really, really exciting about Brunkwood that I just I just fell in love with. Um, I went in for the interview, which at the time was in Manchester because um, that's where the head office was. And um, I just got a really lovely feeling um, around the company. It just it just felt like a fit, like a natural fit. Yeah. Um, so. I accepted the role um, and I started as a graduate um, asset manager and I guess the story the story goes from there. Yeah, so I, uh, am I understanding correctly that you're a qualified chartered surveyor? That's correct. Because I, you know, that sounds like quite an unusual career choice for a female professional anyway, or certainly at that time maybe. Um, so what was, what was the catalyst for going down that route? So it, it is a really um, it is a really unusual choice, particularly um, from where I'm from, which is the west coast of Ireland. So, you know, career advice um, where I came from was, you know, doctor, nurse, solicitor um, something along those lines. And I guess because um, I had the opportunity to speak to my brother quite a lot and really get on the skin of the role he was doing. That's what interested me in real estate. But even um, even when I went to university, um, I think within my um, within my class, there was only two females and I was one of them. So it was very, very male dominated. And um, when I went into practice um, in Brookwood, again, it was it was very, very heavily male dominated, um, albeit because Brookwood have a lot of in-house teams and the actual balance within the office was really, really, you know, quite um, equal from a gender perspective. Um, but it definitely was highly unusual sort of 16 years ago. I would turn up to, you know, multiple events and be the only girl there and um, the only girl there with a very different voice as well. Um, which, you know, back then I would say I didn't love. 
and um, now I'm actually quite proud of that. Um, I guess, you know, when you're a little younger, you want to fit in and um, sometimes it can feel a little uncomfortable to be the very different one in the room. Um, whereas now I've really accepted it and I'm, I'm, I'm really okay with it. Um, but it didn't, it didn't come without its challenges. No. Well, I, th- I feel as though we, we're a lot better these days at celebrating difference, aren't we? Whatever that difference might be, you know, whether it's an accent, a gender or whatever. Whereas maybe, you know, even 15, 16 years ago, then things were quite different, weren't they? They really were. And sometimes it's hard to put into perspective how different things um, were back then. And um, even, you know, thinking back to the business, what it was like 16 years ago, um, you know, it was such a different place. The world was such a different place. And um, it's sometimes nice to look back to almost see how far we've, we've came and we've progressed. And, you know, sometimes I think people look back with rose-tinted glasses to the past, but actually sometimes I like to look at it and see how far we've actually, um, how actually far we've progressed. And I think we've done a lot in that space, particularly um, with, you know, females coming into the industry. I think yeah. you know, we, we, we've, moved, we've moved leaps and bounds. And at and and Frontwood um, itself, I mean, how, how would you describe the organisation in terms of how it looks after or, or you know, talks about in, inclusion and diversity? Um, very forward thinking and always has been, um, I think, because the company is, um, you know, a family, family owned company, but professionally managed. And um, those family values come through, you know, very, very, very strong. And um, if if I didn't feel that way, I probably wouldn't have remained at the company for over 16 years. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot around um, how how we you know we've got more to do. Um, I think we've come a long way in terms of gender, but we've got um, a long way to go in terms of other respects of diversity and inclusion is actually a pretty important part as well. So yeah. you know we have um, we have a lot of discussions around it as a board, and we try where possible to you know really showcase and, and, and represent because sometimes, you know, visual representation, particularly, you know, for females in the industry was, it was almost non-existent when I was growing up because yeah. sometimes if you can see it, you can be it. Um, and I remember um, many, many, many years ago going to a lot of schools and, you know, speaking to a lot, and I mean primary schools, speaking to a lot of um, young children to talk to them about, you know, um, male and female, about, you know, the art of the possibility to work in property because, it's such a diverse um, occupation. You know, you can be a quantity surveyor, a building surveyor, you know, a, you know, a developer, an asset manager. You can work in residential, logistics. I mean, it's just, it's quite far-reaching. And um, I think we can all do more um, to, I guess, try and speak to those younger generations sooner and, and recognise that, you know, career advice for, for so many is just not where it needs to be. Yeah, no, I agree. And in terms of, and I'm sure any, especially young female listeners would like to know, is how how did you how did you get to be the CEO of Brumwood Works? And also, you know, was that an intentional career choice, or did, have you come at it unexpectedly, or how did it happen? So, um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because benefit of hindsight, it's always interesting how you might answer things, you know. But I'll talk a little bit about my personality and then maybe we can go from there. So I guess um, I'm the youngest of, of, of nine and I had a very um, strong work ethic from a very young age. My mum very much drilled in, you know, work hard and regardless of whatever occupation you do, work hard and try to be the best version of yourself and show up and, 
you know, that's very much in my psyche. And don't get me wrong, it's not always about working harder. Often it can be about working smarter. But, um, you know, even when I joined, I always went the extra mile. Um, I always sort of recognized that um, if you went the extra mile, often you sort of got the rewards by going the extra mile. And, you know, I always think, you know, do the job that you want to have. And that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, so even back, you know, in 2005, I, would, I was always working, always putting my hand up for things. I just naturally felt like I could lead, you know, different projects and very quickly, um, I ended up, um, you know, basically taking a, a head of role and I, I set up the head of customer retention team, um, which actually was one of the best career moves I ever had because um, I was quite young. I wasn't long chartered because um, even after you qualify from university, you have to do two years in practice before you, you know, you're qualified. But where, where the true experience came in was um, sort of after the, the great financial crash, so it took three, four years for the industry to recover. And it was at that time where I had the opportunity to um, really put a customer focused spin on, you know, really starting to think about our, our customers as long term partnerships. So we were a property partner and a customer, a relationship builder. And um, I think a lot of that, um, I guess, customer focus and how I think about the role that I'm in now, a lot of it is come, comes back from, you know, lessons I learned. Yeah. through a very 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 difficult time in my career um so you know i i would you know to get back to the answer to, to answering the question that you asked me is um i always naturally gravitated to leadership positions i yeah. was always willing to make decisions um to go the extra mile and to consistently put in the effort because i just do not think that you know some things happen by luck but an awful lot of stuff happens through consistency hard work and working um a little bit smarter than than others mm. so do you do you believe um leaders are born or made then given what I you think a little bit there? of both right i think a little bit of both i think you know some people have um you know a natural tendency to want to be leaders but you can absolutely learn and grow and you know throughout all of my career i wasn't just learning um you know, I have to do continual professional development in order to be um, a chartered surveyor. So when I'm constantly doing that, I'm not just learning about the technicalities. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to lead. I'm consistently reading books and understanding and, you know, going on courses. I, I never stop learning, reading and trying to be a better leader. Um, and I don't think you should ever stop because yeah. I think um, if you stop, if you think you've got it, then either your career would become very, very boring or you could fall behind. So I think, you know, a mixture of both. And as we started earlier on around, you know, D&I, sometimes people think leaders look a certain way. I, I'm a little bit, I don't think so. I think you can have different types of leaders and recognizing that is really, really important because not every leader comes in the same shape and size, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would tell you. I would totally agree. Um, and on that note, what's it like uh, working for a second generation family business? Because that's, I imagine that's unusual in its own way. It is. It is. Sometimes it's hard for me to draw parallels because I've been there for 16 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how I draw parallels is that, you know, I speak, I've got a lot of mentors um, outside of work. I have the privilege to be part of the Vistage group. So you get 
such great, you know, you, you get to sit among so many great leaders within the industry. So you really get to hear different, you know, different stories and understand how different dynamics work within different industries. Um, but it has it has so many pros, but I'm sure there are cons as well um, in that, you know, obviously um, it has the benefits of the family values. But with that comes a lot of emotion, with that comes a lot of investment. Um, but I've always felt like an owner of that company, um, and I think that's a good thing. I've always felt like it's, you know, I, I, I have a part, in, I have a part, you know, that I really own in that, and therefore it's always made me more driven and want to work harder because I really, really believe in the purpose of the business. Yeah, I believe in its authenticity. It's been around for 45 years. I believe in its leadership, um, and if I didn't, I just wouldn't be there. And I have been consistently challenged. People may say, well, that's a long time to be in the same business, but I've had so many different roles within the business that I've never felt stagnant and I've never felt like I haven't been able to push myself and challenge myself because um, we have this saying, you know, within the company that it's called Shape Your World and it's really around owning your own career development. And, you know, if you feel like you're stagnating, then, you know, take control, take ownership and the business will support you to do that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Sounds good. I mean, on that note, you said, well, obviously you said earlier that you're one of nine, and I know that you're um, very close to your family as well. How, and obviously the role you're in is, is um, you're responsible for a lot of people. So how do you, how do you balance the two? Because I know a lot of people find that challenging, don't they? How do you balance the two? Yeah, I mean, they do. And I think for me, I wouldn't say that I haven't, um, had my own challenges in that space, but I've tried to um, reassess. And I think um, the the pandemic really helped to do that. Um, I think at the start of the pandemic, I think my work-life balance got worse for a period because we were under extreme pressure and we didn't know, I don't think anybody knew what was going to happen. But on the back of it equally, you, you know, you don't get to spend as much time with your loved ones and your family. And therefore you miss them and then you really realize the value of spending, you know, family time. So what I really try to do in terms of that work-life balance side is to really make sure that I work incredibly hard, you know, during the week. Um, I have protected slots where, you know, particularly at weekends where, you know, I travel a lot and I, I spend time with my family. It's, I guess, my value set and there's some things that are non-negotiable. So, you know, for me, I will never really work on a Saturday because that's my downtime. I will, you know, work late on a Friday and I'll pick up late on a Sunday, but Saturday's like protected time for me. Um, and finding that work-life balance is really, really important because if you're burnt out, you're no good to anybody. Yeah, very true. Very true. Um, I mean, you mentioned the pandemic. I mean, I think the last two years, is it now, has clearly been, it's caused people to, to review and reset their lives in many ways, hasn't it? So am I, you know, am I happy with the job that I do? Am I happy with the way that I do my work? You know, I think a lot of people have had to pivot and, you know, do things in a very, very different way. You know, I, I'm just curious what your experience of the last few years has been like and maybe, you know, what have been the biggest challenges, but also I'm a firm believer that every situation has an opportunity or a gift in there somewhere as well. You know, so what has the gift or opportunity been for you as well? Yeah, so, I mean, I think um, at the very start of the pandemic, um, it was really, really tough. And I think really tough because we just had no reference point. 
you know, people kept trying to think, well, yeah. you know, yeah. might it be like, you know, the great financial crisis might it be like, but we didn't, we just didn't know. So it was extremely stressful. But what quickly happened was, um, I guess we, we luckily were able to transition to working remotely and um, quite, quite quickly and quite easily. Um, but I didn't like it to be, to be honest. I didn't like it because I'm a very visible leader and our business is based on culture and being around people and those interactions. So that's where I find it very, very difficult. But we pivoted and we made sure that what we did is we had, you know, many briefings. We, we got together. We, we upped our communication. We had like director calls with people who might be struggling. We really tried to find that balance between, you know, giving people the right information financially, protecting the company financially, but equally recognizing that people were worried and stressed. So how could we support their mental health and how could we as a board really step up and show that level of leadership, particularly as a lot of us at the time were becoming quite a few of our board went came down with COVID. So there was a lot of long hours and there was a lot of pressure placed on, you know, multiple shoulders. But like you, um, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, you can build a resilience muscle. Um, I learned that a couple of years ago. Um, I'm not shy to share this now. Um, my parents passed away very, very quickly. Um, both passed away within nine months from cancer, which was hugely unexpected. And, you know, a number of years later, I recognized that, um, you know, resilience is something that, that comes and, you know, as you face hardships and, you, you come out of it, you, you take those little grains and those nuggets of gratitude and recognize how you've learned, evolved and grown and yeah. grown, sorry. And actually when you look back in hindsight, you sometimes can realize that actually you, you've built up um, a muscle or perhaps you didn't recognize it that you maybe, maybe you had before. And, you know, I think COVID has done that for a lot of businesses in that it forced change. It forced a number of businesses to reassess, reevaluate, pivot, and you know many businesses have struggled, but a number of them have come out stronger. Um, mm. And there's been a lot of casualties, but I equally recognise. Um, I think people, leaders, generally people are coming out the other side now, and hopefully people can find those lights at the end of the tunnel. And I think to varying degrees, people yeah. will have coped with it differently. Yeah. I do always think that, you know, and again, you mentioned the benefit of hindsight. I think when we look back, you can often see the benefits of a situation or things that you've been able to achieve that had that challenge not arrived. You maybe would never have, you know, gone down that route. I don't think it can just be hard when you're in it, can't it, to sometimes recognise, you know, the, yeah. the gift from the from the challenge. It's um, a great question. I think people should reflect more on these types of things. Um, I think as a business, the one thing I would say is, and this isn't for every business because a lot of businesses are digital natives, but our business is built, you know, very much built on people and culture. Yes. And it's made me recognize the love of the office, the people I work with. I really genuinely miss people, the face to face side of things. And not everybody's that, not everybody's that way inclined. For me personally, I really enjoyed getting back into the office and, you know, seeing people again and, you know, having the ability to, I guess, speak to people that I just, didn't have the opportunity to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations when I was over Zoom. So, again, that's personal to me and might yeah. not be for everybody, but that, that's certainly coming out the other side. I'm really, really grateful to have, you know, my colleagues and people that I get to see on a daily basis again. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So, Kira, who, who or what 
has been your greatest inspiration, you know, that, that throughout your career to date? You know, it's a really tough question, that, because it's a real mixed bag. Um, and I am one of these people, and you'll know this, because I've had the pleasure of um, doing multiple, I guess, psychometric um, tests with you. But um, I take little snippets from everybody. Um, I don't necessarily hold one person in huge regard and say, yes, I want to be just like you. I, I like to surround myself with really successful people and take what I think is the best bits of them and yes. question people and think hmm, that really works for me um my huge hero is my mom for absolutely um you know no, no doubt no doubt because she instilled you know she instilled that sort of work ethic that yeah. ability for me to be strong to think outside the box to basically not follow societal norms if it's okay to be yourself and you know she used to always say if you're your authentic self you have no competition so definitely hold her up there as being a huge hero um, my siblings, all very professional. So individually, I take snippets from all of them. There's people within our Vistage group that I look at and I think, wow, I love how they approach things. Yeah. Chris, who's the owner of the company, has developed me, you know, over the years. Um, his dad before that, you know, Michael Oglesby and, um, you know, his sister Kate Folks, who's been an incredible mentor to me. So, you know, I, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and I, in my role, have such a privilege to deal with so many wonderful people all the time. Um, and I do like to ask people, you know, particularly successful people, um, you know, you know, what did they do? And I think the one thing I would say is it, it's not really about luck. It's often about hard work, consistency and um, passion. They seem to be quite, I guess, quite standard, um, you know, um, responses. They'll phrase it in slightly different ways. Um, of course they will, but they tend to be, you know, that it's it's not always just about luck. It can appear that way, and it's yeah. often harder than it looks. I remember um, hearing Will Smith interviewed once and, and saying, you know, the interviewer saying, you've landed so many great parts. You know, how have you done that? Um, you know, was it just good luck or, or what? And he said, oh, my dad always told me that luck is where preparation meets opportunity. You know, so I always stay prepared and then the opportunities present themselves. And I, I think in a way that's what you've been saying. Very strong work ethic, always keen to learn, hungry to learn from other people. And then inevitably those opportunities are going to come along, aren't they? So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah for sure. so, I mean, just perhaps as we start to wrap up, is there, um, if there was one or two messages that you would like people to hear from this interview, you know, what, what would they be? I think for me is recognize that um, for everybody you'll hit bumps in the road, you know, regardless. And I think it's 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 how you deal with those. And so much of how you deal with those can really shape you as a person. And I think um, I think just recognizing that, you know, when you have bad times, maybe it just highlights the good times a little bit more. So gratitude is a huge is a huge thing for me that I really, really work on. Even in the toughest and roughest of times, I always try to focus on the two or three small things to be grateful for. So I would just say to people that, you know, it's not easy for everybody. On the outside, it can look that way. Um, but just recognize that you will have bumps in the road. But, um, you know, it's, it's how you deal with those bumps that, that ultimately will decide, um, you know, how you feel about them. And I think just, um, you know, keep an open mind, you know, look for inspiration in 
everything. You know, I work within the property industry, but I certainly don't work within the property industry for my inspiration, for my new developments, for customer service. I always think outside the box and look elsewhere, read, travel, speak to people, spend a lot of time around people that you believe are better than you because it all it often helps you lift your game. It can sometimes feel sometimes and I think it would be fair to say maybe we've all felt that little feeling of imposter syndrome. Should I be in the room? Am I good enough? But actually the more you put yourself in that space, um the more you learn and actually the more you grow. So pushing yourself out of your comfort zone on a regular basis um really, really helps. Yeah, that's great advice, Kira, thank you. And um, you're talking about inspiration. I've got one final question, which is me doing a little bit of organic research, really. Yeah. Because I'm passionate about um, inspiring individuals to live their best lives. That's my kind of mantra at the back of my head. So if I were to ask you which comes first, inspiration or motivation, what would you say and why? That's a really tough one. Um, inspiration or motivation. Um it's a tough one. I think um, often motivation drives inspiration because you sort of you're, you're quite motivated um, to look outside the box to almost yeah. find the inspiration. So I'm probably going on the line of motivation often drives inspiration, but I could see how maybe people could come at it the other way. I think the more motivated you are, consistency leads to you know we start to see results and then you start to see inspiration and things. Um, but, you know, I, I appreciate that you could come at that question, you know, either way. But that's that's my that's my view of it. That's a really, really interesting um, reply that the motivation is there to seek inspiration in everything. So that makes complete sense. Now, it's brilliant. Thank you. So, no, it's been a pleasure. And um, I, you know, if anybody wanted to, you know, reach out or, you know, get in touch, you know, is there a way that they can do that or... Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find my profile on LinkedIn. Yeah. People often message me on LinkedIn and I'll get back to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just reach out. Um, I love to hear from people, particularly um, on the back of, you know, some other, I guess, panel discussions I've had. I've had, you know, young graduates reach out to me and um, people at school. And that's the type of um, that's the type of a response I love. You know, when you're yeah. reaching people, you think, oh, OK, they were interested to, to hear what I had to say. Um so yeah, so you can you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all the usual channels, and um, yeah, I would love to hear from people if anybody found anything that I had to say of uh, of interest or inspiration today. But Robin, thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. No, likewise, and um, I'm I'm not I would not be surprised if uh, lots of people want to reach out because I think you I think you are an inspiration, Kira. So uh, thank you very much for being here today. Thanks, Robin. If you're inspired by what you've heard or you have any related questions, then do feel free to get in touch. I'd be delighted to hear from you. There are many more of these podcasts to come as I'll be interviewing a different CEO, MD or business owner each month, all with an interesting story to tell and plenty of wisdom to share. So if you'd like to be included, make sure you subscribe via the Robertson Fox website. That's also where you'll find all the contact details. Until the next time, go well.